0: If it was illegal to say stupid things into a microphone. Why must you be so stupid? These guys would be doing life without parole. Hey, everybody, we're back from prison. Why do we keep encouraging this kind of behavior? It's the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan. You know, we could, like, go to jail for this. Along with Mike Shue and Isaiah Moscahanna, Bonsa, Blitz, Moskowitz? Whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, it, it is. it's nice to be back on. It's good. And then uh, the Telegram just did a good story. And What's yeah. the... Uh, I can stream it, right? There it is. Oh, right there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah! You know what? I got more comments on that shirt than I did on the actual story. Of course you did. What was
1: the shirt? What, what shirt it, are you wearing?
0: It's the Creature Double Featured. Uh, channel 56 shirt oh dude back in the day yeah. that was oh, my yeah. fucking
1: jam as a kid
0: yeah right after wrestling every saturday man yes. they two. dale
1: kids. dorman was the fucking guy uncle dale yeah, for a while yeah
0: dale dorman was the host but they would like show the they would show like the old godzilla movies but then yes. they would also show like creature from the black lagoon and the you know, yep. the for lee vampire movies and stuff like creature
1: that. creature double feature you're going Good into man. like the fucking you're going into like movie loft area
0: Whoa. oh my god dana hersey in the movie loft dana hersey yep. Was the man he ran Channel 38 by himself for I don't know how long. (laughs) I just remember like watching him on the movie loft, and he's wearing his like white turtleneck, and he's like, and now part two of The Graduate, you know. And then, like, when I would stay home from school, he'd be on like at 10 o'clock in the morning doing Ask the Manager, and he'd be like, (laughs) he'd be like the voice guy, too. And that's when I realized he's also the general manager right in channel 38 he's like doing everything i was surprised he wasn't w
1: s w wsbk tv yeah. where the red sox started out on
0: right and the bruins too the bruins were on yeah. channel 38 for a long time yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: oh my god dana hershey was his fucking voice ran that station man he was just, oh, his, god, voice, his voice his voice is still on howie car show and i love it. it's like yeah. the howie car show, the howie car even,
0: show. oh my, my god balls His balls are as big as friggin <laughs> cantaloupes and hairier than your grandmother's back i'm dana hersey and this I'm dana hersey is the movie lost. oh my god his voice like could carve canyons into mountains it's like dana we got to put a tunnel in this mountain okay
2: move the rock get out of the way the movie ooh, lost
1: oh oh josh you got close
2: thank you thank
0: you, no. uh, did you ta- are close to dana hersey no yeah. no
1: no did you pull your balls down when you did that because <laughs> i'm dana hersey
2: they are permanently <laughs> down right now because i just i mean i always <laughs> this. what are you talking about <laughs> the right josh i drink oh, with I, I, Come I sure. on.
0: Nice shirt. Did they give you that shirt, Josh?
2: No, I bought it for like a million oh. bucks. Yeah, maybe I maybe I should buy it just to show my support. You want to buy this one? Game no, worn. Not after you wore
0: it. No, no. Come that's on, great. it's fucking
1: game worn, man. He'll sign no,
0: everything. on my skin. No, that's such a great oh, album yeah. cover. man. Hound Meeting is a great band. Everybody should give them a listen. Oh yeah, they are. They are one of the most talented bands. Every single member sings. They all write the songs. They're all like multi-instrumentalists. They're just super talented guys. Are you um,
1: having fun with that podcast, that Neil Young podcast?
0: That's awesome, man. We just did, Josh crashed the last I one. Did. We were doing Rust Never Sleeps, and he freaked everybody out because apparently he read the Wikipedia page before he showed up. And well, was like, I had all day to
2: do my homework on it, and then I showed up, and everyone's like, why do you know all these facts about this? I just oh. read it.
0: Josh was like, oh, he's way ahead of his time on this album. We all like stopped and looked at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, oh, you know, with the, you know doing it live, electric
2: on one side, acoustic on I was like, Jesus Christ, Josh. Yeah, then, then he, the he went you? in the studio and overdubbed it. I mean, that's, that, that's really, you know. Per- hey, Mike, Josh, Josh
1: can read. Josh can read.
0: Very much like the Comes a Time album, right, Josh? Exactly. Talk about it. Yeah, he took, those, he took those tapes to Nashville after recording in Miami, and he said, uh, you know, I just want to do this solo acoustic, and I met Erdogan was like, well, I'd, I'd really like to have a band, so... I think we lost Josh right the there. Way. I think, you know, I think I mean, we I think lost he, Josh. If no, you I'm, didn't have any hate, that album wouldn't sound like the way it <laughs> sound. Like sounds like Mike knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
2: I, and also, uh, Town Meeting did a few covers of uh, Neil Young, and they, they really knocked it out of the park. Like, they... They do. I love their covers of certain songs more than the original. And one of my favorite songs they do is by the Grateful Dead. And it's, I, I hate the Grateful Dead, but I love. What song is it? Um, Fire know? Mountain. Oh, okay. Steve, oh, wow. I mean,
0: that's the thing. The Grateful like, not everybody loves the Grateful Dead, but no. they could write good songs, you know, yeah. like Ripple and, you know, and then people would cover them and they'd be great. You know, you, it's like, I love the Grateful Dead. I just hate Deadheads. Like, I hate going to shows. Right. Man, <laughs> that might have been what it was, was in college because yeah.
1: I went to college in Bangor and a lot. I came out of Massachusetts. I went up there. Everybody was a deadhead. I was a metal guy. And it wasn't so much, you're exactly right. It, the music wasn't, I was over here listening to fucking metal and, and hard rock right. and shit. Yeah. But, it's not that the, you're exactly the fucking deadheads. Ooh, dude, oh, dude, yeah. take a fucking shot. The truly shit,
0: a hippie, man. Johnny rotten oh, it you? down. Never trust a fucking hippie because they'll steal you blind once they get the chance. Oh, oh the fucking my god, and that's steal you, blind. you know, yeah, exactly. That's you know, that's dude. That's, we had a fucking
1: roommate. A bunch of people were they, they were you know they were they liked the dead, but one of them was a. Di- I mean, this dude was no shoes, tie dies, never showered, and he you know barely paid his rent. And all I know is one of my buddies was selling weed, and we always said weed in the house. This kid would never buy it, but he'd always mm-hmm. scrape the bowl. He'd oh, yeah, always man. fucking it belongs to all of us, man.
2: Right? Yeah, like, man.
1: dude, can you throw fucking 20 bucks in the pile? No, we'll get high with you. That. Fuck off.
0: Fuck that. Fuck you, dude. He's busy buying fucking gourmet orange juice at some fucking shack in Vermont. Or fucking,
1: or Whippets for fucking man. the next Deadhead show.
0: My wife, when I first met my wife, she was, like, just coming off of a tour. Like, well, she, she, like, went to a bunch of shows during the summer before she showed up at North Adam state college. And right. she was just a little hippie chick. She was wearing the Birkenstocks and the patchouli and the beads and everything. And you fell I- in love. No. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> Matt <Magic laughs> heaven. Those, that's one of the bands that like, don't they have like a massive following that just goes oh. on tour with oh. them?
0: Oh yeah. That's everywhere. the whole thing. Yeah. Those are the deadheads. It's just a traveling circus. And after a everywhere. while it became kind of a detriment to the band because everywhere they went, people would get arrested. There'd be overdoses you know, it just became a point where they were just kind of like, "Look, we just want to." It's like fish. Look, we just want to play music. Don't like, you know, get fish tattooed on. Ease your Ease up on
1: the fucking cult following,
0: right? Right. You know, get a
1: get a job, <laughs> we, and we don't. We're right? really, You're not trying to
0: do a real cult here. So you I, do
1: know that Jerry Garcia died, right? Ease
0: oh no way, it. man! No, they no just way. Came and, they just came and brought him home. That's all. I was
1: a, I was actually doing a show working in radio in New Hampshire, and we were doing a Bob Weir show at the Casino Ballroom. The night that fucking Jerry died mm. and it turned, it wasn't a, it wasn't a deadhead scene, but I mean, they were, yeah, that's there for sure. Uh, but the news of him dying, it was, it was seriously like the president got assassinated.
0: Yeah. That's, a, like, that's an iconic figure. I mean, people right. not only followed him like he was a cult leader, but you know, everybody knew who he was. You show someone a picture of Jerry Garcia, they may not know his name, but they'll say, Oh, the grateful dead. Santa
1: Claus, Jerry Garcia. Right, exactly. exactly. You totally know him when you see him. (laughs) I was
0: working at an alternative station in Richmond, and like when he died, we just started playing the Grateful Dead. In fact, we were playing more Grateful Dead than the classic rock station in town. And it was yeah, we were
1: only playing a we were one of those stations that only played a couple of the songs, but the Casino Ballroom, you know, would roll through and we'd we'd be at the shows. And and that night, he a couple of big things happened at that fucking place. I was at a seven dust show at the Casino Ballroom after the bombings, remember the, the weeks after we were chasing that motherfucker down mm-hmm. and that night they found him in the boat. Well, we, I think we were up at a show at the casino ballroom and they fucking nabbed him. And it was cool because they, uh, they shut off the, the concert stopped and they put like the news or something, something up on the fucking screens. And it was fucking oh, uh, cool. awesome. and we like, we, yeah, that fucking seven of us is fucking pounding away, but they knew where they were. And right. someone was like, dude, shut this off. This is fucking huge. And the screens, uh, oh, there weren't screens there. Some, something, there was a screen, and it was just like boom, and they showed it, and they showed that that uh, that radar, you know, that that where they looked in the boat and they saw that mm-hmm. fucking bitch, and they were like, "We got him!" And the whole place fucking erupted.
2: Oh man, I wish I was in public for like the when when I heard that news, because like the it, it must be so cool to be at an event like that and everyone like becomes united, like yes, we got it. Right, right. Like it when cool. when they, there's a compilation if you ever want to tear up um, of stadiums around the country like different sports teams they would put up on the jumbotron saying we got uh we got Saddam or no we killed osama bin laden nice just like the it's like both teams just everybody going nuts but i'm usually just at home alone drinking when i hear this wow.
0: wow wow that's wow. you just josh you just did what you do best you Make brought podcast to a grinding halt you, you,
1: you had our attention. I was starting to tear up. I, I, feel,
0: I feel like I just want to go and, and I need to watch Rick and Morty for like four hours just to get up to the <laughs> point you put me in.
1: Whoa, hold on, hold on. Similar. Jesus. What is the Ren and Stimpy reboot? I don't
0: Did think you it, see it, this? Is it going to be a reboot or is it just a documentary? I don't know, but I saw I something think for a, a minute. it's a documentary. On, oh, I think dude. it's just a documentary on the making of, of Ren and Stimpy. Which I was, just
1: want, I just want Billy West to sit in front of me and just do every oh character. God, that is. Dude,
0: when I met him, like, I when I, I interned at WBCN with him and watching oh, him right. work, watching him work was one of the most amazing things ever. And the guy like not only does a million voices, but he plays a bunch of instruments. And when him and like uh, at the time, uh, B C N had a uh, production manager named Tom Sandman. And when him and Tom Sandman got together, it was like, they were just a great comedy team. Wow. You know, they, they were just able to write, produce comedy and stuff. But he...
2: Like watching like, Barbary work?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. He's like the... He's, again, it was like that. It was like, like, it took him 10
2: minutes to create something brilliant. And it pisses you know? me off because everything that Kevin Barbary does, I'm like, that would take me three days to come. Right. Up. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so yeah. he had
1: to he had to work in that moment of like we're on the air we got right. two we minutes this, yeah, song, is gonna, class, yeah, song exactly. is gonna the class song is gonna end like we're on in three two go exactly <laughs> and then
0: so uh, a few years ago uh, oh geez it was a while ago now because let me see here so it was like five years ago I think we went to a, a comic con they were having at the Shriners up in Wilmington and he was there and Billy so, West yeah Billy West was there so uh, and my daughter is like huge Futurama fan. Nice. And he does Fry and a bunch of other voices. And we go up to him and I said, hey, man, I, um, you probably don't remember me, obviously, because I, I was I was 18 at the time. So I was about 100 pounds less and had way more hair. <laughs> and I was like, I used to intern with Charles back in the day and you were there. He goes, I totally remember you, Mike. It was um, um for the amount of drugs that guy did. He had great memory. And <laughs> it was I, a said, professional. I said, uh, my daughter is... A huge Futurama fan. This is my daughter Chloe, and he went, "Go ahead and take my money." And he just started doing fry like oh. for five minutes straight. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And my daughter's just like thrilled. And I looked at him, I was like, "Thank you so much for doing that." that was I love you. Thank you. Oh, was, he's just amazing. <laughs> he could do anything. It was just an incredible experience. People like him, and I want to see.
1: I want to see someone like uh, like Seth MacFarlane work. Like just sit right, there yeah. Again, and that's fucking go. Oh, right.
0: He can just write the stuff and produce it and just, he does it all. It's unbelievable. I love when,
1: I love obviously years of radio and voice work. When you see anybody, like anything that involves voice work, any, like uh, the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire, when mm. Robin Williams is the yes. voice actor. For, I, I fucking will watch that shit like a hawk because it's, it fascinates me that you can sit there. That's about like when they sit and they interview, uh, who was the guy that just passed away that did, uh, on the, did Bravo uh, inside, inside the actor's studio?
2: Oh, James um, Lipton?
1: James
0: Lipton. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, he just passed away, but he had the cast of The Simpsons on. And yes, I will watch that, was that a, a thousand episode. times when you're yeah. like, that girl does Bart Simpson, and this dude does fucking 50 voices. And Harry and Shear- yeah,
0: all- Harry Shearer does like the most voices. Right. Uh, ever on- you know, did I ever tell you the Kevin Barbery story about The Simpsons? No. no. Okay, so I think it was early 2000s, they were renegotiating their contracts with Fox, and they were holding out. And someone told Kevin you should send them a tape, and so Kevin pretty much he could do every single character, even like the minor ones, like of course he could, really the groundskeeper and Mole Man, and all he did it all. He could only Barney, Barney, the guy at the
1: bar. Yeah, he did
0: that, but he couldn't do Bart. That's the only one he couldn't do. So he sent them a tape, and he gets an email back from Fox going, "Uh, "This is great. We might need you. Stand by." Wow. Third string goalie action. Alrighty. Wow! Shit. Unfortunately, they cut a deal, you know. But I mean, that's like
2: well, can you imagine? Probably used, they probably use Kevin as leverage, and they're like, "If you guys oh, don't want it, we got this right. guy." Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't, we don't just is. have to
0: pay one guy to do it. Maybe the chick who does BART, and that's it, right?
1: Between that and the fucking keyboard he has, he's got a little museum going.
0: Dude, I see. Still, I still keep texting him like, "When can I come touch the keyboard?" And he's just like, "Eh, "I don't know." There's kids in the house. You mean Getty
2: Lee's keyboard or the other keyboard?
0: Uh, Yeah, Getty Lee's keyboard. I just want to smell it because you know it smells like. One time, I want to smell the case because it probably smells like it probably smells like Getty. And I bet Getty smells probably. I I bet he smells like a friggin. Maple Caramel syrup. swirl, Cape Cod candle. Really? Yeah. Maple
1: syrup. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's I'm what I'm not I sure mean, about that, but you like. keep texting him. Yeah, I'll keep texting him. There's going to be pictures of me naked. with You this keep
1: texting him, I'm like
0: spooning with it in a bed or something like that. Who's so gonna- Nemer, man? Aren't we supposed to be talking <laughs> to Nemer? Yeah, he. You he- know the nice
1: article they just. What?
0: Just what? what? What just happened? <laughs>
2: I don't know what happened.
1: (laughs) You just had a stroke. You you just had a, you just had a digital fart. Oh, you did. (laughs) Where is this number guy?
2: Um, he just texted me. He said he's running a few minutes late and I said, just jump on whenever works for you. And he said, thank you. So hopefully he jumps on soon. So he's very polite, but not punctual. Yes. I mean, I do. Okay. (laughs) Hey guys, so I'm going to try and muscle through this. My dog's whining because mom took the other dog to the vet and the dog that's home with me right now, Puddle, just thinks the other dog's getting something that she's not. And I'm just going to try and get through this and get us back to this wild episode with Nimmer. Um, but I just want to say thank you to our sponsors at Wolfpack Coffee. Um, there, I Everybody knows that if you watch this podcast or listened on AAF, you know I have a coffee problem, and I don't have a coffee problem now because I have Wolfpack Coffee, veteran-owned, veteran-run, and they're a sponsor of this wild podcast, and the only problem with coffee I have now is when I run out, and you never have to worry about running out of coffee ever again because you can go to WolfpackCoffeeUSA.com. Uh, which is made by our other sponsor, Invoke Media, who made um, the Break in the Ice website. So you know the website's good and makes us all look way more professional uh, than we really are. And, oh, speaking of Breaking the Ice podcast, go to breakintheicepodcast.com to get yourself a Break in the Ice podcast mug that you can drink your Wolfpack coffee out of. And if you're sitting inside a house that it just needs, I mean, they say... Don't judge a book by its cover, but you can definitely judge a house by its cover. I know it's what's on the inside is what matters, but I mean, do you really want to go trick or treating up to a house that looks like an actual haunted house? No. And what's the main focal point of the entire house? It's the garage doors. It's the garage doors and if you don't have, you know, a couple little tykes that are just playing street hockey um and destroying that garage door, I mean you're just gonna either way, you just need to keep your house looking good so that you have company over and you know, just so that the neighbors will talk to you like when you're washing your car or something and they say, You can come over and do mine next It all starts with the garage door. I I I have ADD, so I I apologize to Chris Riggs of Garage Doors Plus. He will get straight to the point, unlike me. So go to gdplus.com and also follow Garage Doors Plus on Instagram and like them on Facebook. And not just the garage door, which is the focal point of the house, you gotta make the rest of the house match the garage doors, and that's where Boston Exterior Remodeling comes in. And they have, um, let me pull up their website right here. They have uh, bostonexteriorremodeling.com. They have a, a button on there that you can go get a free quote. And they offer a huge range of design build, uh, construction, renovation services for all kinds of homes, and they spe- they specialize um, kind of like how I specialize in talking, and I can't really do it. Um, they do a better job, and my cat's here. I mean, it's just wild. Um, we can't, we can't, get through a full ad thing here. So this is why we just do it on zoom. Because Okay, we don't need it's not brought to you by white cat butts. <laughs> Sorry, Joe Dan's Joe Dan's at Boston exterior remodeling. He also funds this circus. Um, but no matter what the project they they always guarantee the highest quality of materials. And you know, they, they have great craftsmanship, you can see all their projects on their Instagram, they have a lot of, he, he's always updating the stories and they have a lot of pictures and it's just great home improvement porn at gra- uh, garage, doors. Yeah. Go follow them too. Um, at Boston exterior remodeling on Instagram and go like them on Facebook. And again, go to boston exterior remodeling.com to get your free quote and invoke media, which we already touched on, uh, makes, uh, breaking the ice. Podcast.com made um, our friends over at Wolfpack Coffee USA's website. And um, if you're still listening to this ad, then they thank you, too. And I thank you. And now let's get back to the podcast before I just lose all the listeners. Good job not barking.
0: So I'm on uh, Mr. Carey's podcast this week. So oh, yeah, I was listening. Check that out, too. That was okay. Her studio is so nice. Is like- it? It's way better than my closet, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> hey man, a lot yeah, of it's really of your closet. beautiful, and it's super comfortable. And you know, there's like couches and.
1: She's getting married.
0: I know she's getting married again. Oh, <laughs> the- poor guy! Oh, what a sucker! <laughs> he may be a marine. He's got nothing though. He's got nothing on. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's fucking um,
1: all happening.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Well, good for her. You oh,
1: know, yeah. I'm super happy for her. She's crushing it. That podcast sounds great. Yeah, the podcast is you. awesome. You're on, you're on this one this week.
2: Yeah, I'm on this week's uh, podcast, which yeah, is a it's lot. up now. And I was listening, and the first 15 minutes was just you two shitting on me.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's pretty easy. You know, it's a good warm up. Oh. It's a good warm up. Let's talk about Josh. Okay, yeah, and then we're really rolling after that. Yeah, just a lot of questions <laughs> come yeah. up, and it's just, I don't know it's why. I was like making this far in life. She asked the question. She's like, "What's wrong with that kid?" I said, "Oh my God!" Well, thank God we're not up against any kind of clock. <laughs> Jesus! I wow. Could her hours.
2: How much time do you I'm need? Wrong. Yeah. When are we having that therapist on, Isaiah?
0: Yeah. She'll
1: tell me when. Are we? What are we doing next week? I'll get her on.
0: Yeah, let's do her next week. Excuse me.
2: And interview her. Yeah. yeah interview. Yes. <laughs> <And> let's interview. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: Let's Let me her text her and say Josh, Mike show wants
1: to, Mike show wants to, Mike Schu wants to do you on the show next week.
2: Yes, on the sh- through Zoom, I figured out uh, a way. Yes. And then we also get a hypnotist. What you and oh. Carrie were talking about, I was like, I never thought of that. I wonder if I could get like hypnotized into not hating snakes because it's it's exhausting. You mean like people that get hypnotized to quit smoking? Yeah. Yeah. I wanna yeah. wait for like it's no, just man. not fun. Like there's a lot of snakes around where I live because it's very swampy around here. Yeah, yeah you live and in the woods. I just want to be able to go for a walk and not like have my whole body shut down.
0: You know, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. Oh, I don't care.
2: Except for the Boa Constrictor.
0: Unless they're bigger than you are. Yeah.
1: Right. Because they'll munch down a cow. Don't we can do that. Who Snakes who, who was,
0: color black
1: he doesn't wear black he wears
0: no no he wears like really pastel like he's going
2: right. to Fugawi colors
0: goo goo oh. dolls live <laughs> no town meeting
2: <laughs> asking <laughs> to join what nimmer said he's he's here but he's asking to join
1: you're in charge of this shit
2: <clears throat> zoom is i
1: mean wow can you imagine can you imagine how good josh's overnight show would have been mike
2: Oh my god, so much dead air. It would air. have been better because we wouldn't be using Zoom.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: all good, fair.
0: So is he trying to get in? Yeah. You sure it's an Emmer and not someone who's trying to Zoom bomb us? I wish that would happen. Are we getting Zoom
1: bomb?
0: I would love to get Zoom bombed. There he is. I
3: don't know what happened. I, I you guys sent a Google link and a Zoom. I just realized I'm sitting on Google and, it, and waiting for you guys to, and you're not even on Google. So that's fantastic. Hi, everybody. I'm so sorry I'm late. I am oh, so, so God. sorry. That's no a worries.
0: podcast, so you don't have to be on time. You know, there's no block, <laughs>
3: there's
0: no commercial break. Yeah, Josh it's Shane not like we no have to idea get to
3: it's, it's very rude and disrespectful, and I, and I truly appreciate you guys not giving me shit for it yet, at least. Thank you. I, I'm it, very it, sorry. Give it a it's few minutes. On. Give it a oh. few minutes. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do, is the camera good? Is, is my sound good? You look beautiful. You Wait, is incredible. that your you good side? That light. That's 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 your eyes are beautiful. It's not me. <laughs> Boy, is that your good side, dude? All right, I'll, I'll go with it. Actually, uh, my good my good side is here, but this is you know this is where the camera fits.
0: Who who is that in the background? <laughs> this is the great Eunice. Who's Eunice?
3: Eunice is, that- is a character on our show. It, it, do, can you see this picture properly behind me? Like, let me see if I can Let's see that. Let's see that. Okay, so let me let me hold on. Oh me... yeah.
2: Eunice was the first eunuch.
3: Yeah, you gotta you gotta see you gotta see this picture properly
0: one second oh yeah oh, i didn't even notice that was a pringles can.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, pringles and doritos yes <laughs> is that great
0: <laughs> and she's what, what awesome. show like from what show is she from that you
3: do? No, it's, she's not from any show so this is like an actual so i was in amsterdam and, hold on, let me just put this... One it, does second, have a, it does have a Rembrandt quality to it. This is a, a very famous Dutch painter. Has painted this hundreds of years ago. And then somebody went and photoshopped Pringles, <laughs> Pringles and blaze. And I was walking in Amsterdam and I look into a shop and I see this. And I was like, "Get the f- this is amazing. Because I see it, I'm like, that's such nice artwork. And then I come closer and I'm like, holy shit, that's Pringles. And I cracked up. So I bought, I bought the picture for like 10 euros which is nothing yeah. i framed it for 600 dollars. the frame oh, jesus oh wow I, I went i went to the place i was like frame this as if it's fine art right and i thought i thought that would mean that i'd pay like 40 bucks $600. and then
1: hundred dollars
3: six hundred dollars and i was like jesus fuck. well but now it looks so regal so everybody's like that's such a nice painting and then they look at it they're like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> the mantle
0: yeah for real <laughs> Helmet's like a, an old Vermeer that's been lost forever. And those are like, you know, old 16th century Protestant Pringles. Th- that yeah. is.
3: Yeah. They're, they're Pringles is what they are. They're the, <laughs> but she's you never
1: know. They could have been, they, they could be from history. You have no idea.
3: I, that's what i say so i basically tell everybody this is our our, our um my online mascot eunice she presides they uh, she identifies uh, he she it's they they and them are the pronouns of eunice and uh they preside over our stream and bless us constantly that's basically whatever and everybody and, and feed us salty chips yes yes very yes.
2: definitely so you have eunice and on this show we have a thing called the racist cock
3: Oh, really? Where? Where's the racist? Can I see it? I have to bring out the yes. cock. Mike oh, okay. <laughs> always forgets to
0: bring out his cock. Right. There's the cock right here. So, so any, in case anybody we feel something says he's racist, the racist stupid. cock comes out. Yeah. We pull that,
3: that is fucking great. The racist cock. Okay. No, so shirts yeah, keep us from getting
2: canceled.
0: Right. right.
1: <laughs> we actually have shirts that have the cock that says "Don't be a racist cock," and they're selling like wildfire.
0: Really. Yes. Or maybe
1: not They're not selling. We have the t-shirt. No
0: one's buying. <laughs> <laughs> They're selling like wildfire relative to our show, which means yes. we sold like four of them. You know, yes. <laughs> that's pretty huge for us. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. So the sales of the t shirts are kind of they kind of represent like the uh the radio industry. It's just a slow step <laughs> just, ah. slow slow trip.
3: Did you leave for good, Josh? Um, well,
2: I, I don't know who's going to hire me again, but our, um, one of us is back on the radio. Mike Shu is back on the radio. Oh, yeah,
0: um, yeah. Well, recently, yeah, I got back on at nights here. I live in Worcester, Massachusetts, so there's a station here the Pike, and they were kind enough to make a place for me. Very nice.
3: Because so. of your voice. Are you hearing his voice, what? by the way? It's, it's so
0: good. I, I was basically doing my radio show in my car to myself, you know, so thankfully I can get back on the radio. Sometimes in his closet. Yeah, sometimes in my closet, which I soundproofed, you know, so. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: We all got kicked out in February when the station we worked at, WAF, got sold to God. Caleb bought us. Oh, shit. After 50 years.
3: Yeah. Why did they kick you guys out, though? I mean, $11
1: million later?
3: Yeah. So they heard us. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Take these guys with you. We don't want them around.
1: They listened yeah. for a few months and went, "This is just not going to work. Yeah, this won't work on the Jesus Channel." Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Oh, these guys can't play. Oh, it's a Jesus. Oh, it was a Christian. Yeah. Oh no, yeah.
1: K Love is a thing. K Love is a national. I mean, they bought a shit ton of rock radio stations: CCC in Hartford, uh, what is it? I PLJ in New York,
0: in Chicago. Yeah. yeah,
1: WAF in Boston. I mean, and, and they, they, they
3: converted it. them all into like preaching radio stations. Well, it's, it's a, a contemporary- syndicated show
0: contemporary Christian music. That's what they call it.
3: Fucking
1: dog shit.
0: I know. We we went, it went from playing, we were playing Slayer and Slipknot and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's all about, yeah, it's all about the Lord. There's no way (laughs) there's, did you ever
3: see see that uh, time when, as I lay dying came out as a Christian metal band and then they interviewed Uh them and they were like, none of your lyrics are Christian metal. He's like, I know, but we're all Christian. So I just thought we'd say we're Christian metal band. I don't Ah. know.
0: Wow. There's a lot of marketing. Like say, they say they're Christians, but they don't like. They're not preachy about it, you know. They just yeah. have to sing positive lyrics and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, the Christian punk rock bands. Because isn't that kind of like an oxymoron? It makes no yeah. yeah. sense. Yeah, it's like you're you're supposed to be raging against any kind of established or organized religion or anything like that. And and they're like, yeah, we're a Christian punk band. So nope, you know, Jesus, and also fuck
2: you. Yeah, you know? uh, that's like <laughs> being a, a Christian uh, black metal.
3: Banned. We're right,
2: exactly. <laughs> you can't. instead you build churches. Right. Yeah.
3: Church. We don't burn crosses, we build crosses and then scream. Exactly. So,
0: <laughs> so um, it's Nemer, right? I'm saying that Nimmer.
3: right? Yeah, Nimmer, Nemer. It's all the, the actual pronunciation is Nimmer, but I'm not gonna ask you guys to go there to so like you know. the Yeah, Nimmer. Yeah, Nimmer. 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 So you you
0: you were born in Lebanon, but you, uh, because of the civil war in the eighties, your family came here to the United States and you were, you lived in San Diego for a while and then you went back over there. Nailed it. I, my question about that is I, um, my father came from Taiwan and so my father's side of the family all lives in Taipei and stuff. And so I go back to see my family and my cousins, you know, I'm introducing myself to my cousins and they're telling me their names and it's like, Oh, so what's your name? And it's like, you know, shit, guong, and I'm so I'm so I'm trying to I'm trying to repeat it and stuff, and then he goes, or Ken. <laughs> my question to you is: Did you ever consider using like
3: an English name? Because all my cousins have it. You know, it's like it's like Ken. You know, I didn't because most Lebanese people have very Western names. So a lot of Lebanese people you'll meet like Stephen and, and John, George, the Christians. And the Muslims, usually Muhammad or Ali, or like they're easy to pronounce. Nimmer is a very rare name, even in Lebanon. Like, there's the only other Nimmer that I know is a guy who used to run a chicken, uh, the most delicious chicken in the country is a place called Bweri Chicken. And then he got in a fight with a guy and murdered him with an AK-47. That's what the only <laughs> – Yeah, that was back in the 90s when it was still, like, just fresh post-Civil War. When you and, uh, kept men. the name, though. I like it.
0: And you kept the name.
3: I was like, you know, if, I, I don't want him to come after me for ditching the. Well, and also, the thing about Nimmer, what I like, Nimmer means tiger in English. So if I'm at a Starbucks, I'll just tell him tiger. So I'd yes. I be like – because I'm not going to bother with that. I'm like, just like, Tiger. And, and people like, when you say Tiger, you always get a positive reaction. Like Anytime I say Tiger, especially if it's a girl or something, you'd be like, tiger. like it's always a good thing. Right. Nimmer never gets that reaction. So clearly I'm sticking with it for other reasons. And mainly it's because I like how ambiguous it is. Because, you know, if you have like an Arab name, if your name's Ali, you're like, oh, okay, probably he's a Muslim. If your name's George, it's a Christian. If you're, You can kind of start to... I like the fact that Nimmer makes no sense to anyone anywhere. And it kind of, like, if you want to come check a show out for me, you're not going to know if I'm Lebanese or whatever. If you're blindly stumbling into a clip of mine, you might even think Nimmer stands for something. If you go to nimmer.com, it's actually registered to a company in Massachusetts called New England Marketing Research. And fuck them, first of all, because they took my domain.
0: Well, let me tell you something about them Nimmer. They are your human resources solutions <laughs> provider.
3: <laughs> right? Oh, well. right. I was
0: doing research. I was like I was looking at them like HR what's...
3: Like, oh, you saw you saw the website? <laughs> I'm, like, oh, God. It, I'm
0: like Josh is crazy. This isn't funny at all. What the Dude, fuck I fuck I, I wanted to
3: buy nimmer.com years and years ago. This is like back in like when when domains were just starting to be a thing, early 2000s. And they they had it. Like, they've had it since, and I've been, like, I've been waiting for them to financially fail. I'm oh, waiting you for can them.
1: Tell us about HR services, Nimmer. I mean, yeah. I
3: mean, and, and they, I you know, just, it pisses me off. I have a complaint about
1: Josh Dolan. Can you take my
3: complaint? <laughs> <too>? <laughs> yes, I can. Here <laughs> at New England Marketing Research, we pride ourselves in, in finding alternatives <laughs> for all your problems. Hey, listen, we're up in New England. We'll hunt these motherfuckers down. Dude, please do. I, I I really want Nimmer.com. I got NimmerComedy.com. And it feels like so like, eh, I don't know. It's, yeah, you want Nimmer. You want Nimmer.com. Four letters. Do, <laughs> do You know, N E M R. Have an address. It's perfect. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, and people ask me why I dropped my last name. Uh, because my full name is Nimmer Abu Nassar, which is I impossible. The That's the answer. It's impossible. Answer. What's I'm that?
1: not enough fucking room on the posters.
3: That's it. I swear to god that's actually it. So I literally when I do posters, it's like, you know, Nimr Abu Nassar live in First of all, all the algorithms on Facebook, Instagram are going to shut it down for too much text. So the best thing that I could do is literally just um just put Nimr. it's four letters. Right. It just it, it's perfect. Like Joe, all I, I know this. Yeah. yeah, taking the SATs
1: up. growing up, Isaiah, oh. Isaac Moskowitz.
3: Shit, dude. What the fuck? It doesn't fit
1: on fucking anything.
2: (laughs) Also, nobody knows how to spell Isaiah. Where do I put the I and the A and the H? And And
3: Moskowitz. And Moskowitz's stuff, too.
1: All of it. So it's like, I get it. That's why it doesn't fit on posters. My license just says, fuck it, Isaiah. (laughs) 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 They just gave up. They're like, his parents must have been fucking baked. (laughs) What the fuck?
3: Yeah, no. My oh. full name is Nimr Yusuf Abunasar, which is just too much. too much, too much, too not, much. That's not not gonna happen because we we what take the middle, the middle. The middle name it? is the name of the father. My dad's name is Joseph, which is Yusuf in Arabic, and so yeah. So I just stuck with Nimr. That was that was the easiest <laughs> thing.
0: I want to ask you about um, the getting into stand up co- comedy because it's an interesting story. So you went back when you and the family moved back to Lebanon. Um, that's where you kind of. That's where you had to start. You wanted to do stand-up comedy, so you didn't start in like New York or Los Angeles, right? You started in Lebanon, where <laughs> there was nothing. Like, was there yeah. even a comedy scene? No, no. Were there Were there any other people that wanted to do stand-up comedy in Beirut and Lebanon anywhere in the country? Nope. Nowhere in the and Middle East. Had
1: to be the fucking funny guy. You
0: one. You were the one guy.
1: You were yeah. The one,
3: right.
0: Yeah. How did you How did you make that happen?
3: uh i uh we we have a lot of oil in the family so you know we just bought it off Uh, no that helps that helps i wish lebanese don't have that sadly uh when i was in i left san diego the us when i was 10 in like 1992 and i lived in lebanon from 92 end of 92 to 2014 pretty much for the most part and my career started in stand-up like i started charging people money to watch me in 2006 but I started doing stand-up in 1999. So when I started doing it, I was 17. It was at university. I would host the outdoor concerts. I went to the American University of Beirut. So we had the AUB outdoors. That's my stage time. I would be the host and I would do stand-up in between acts. And because there was nowhere to go to do... There were no open mics. Nobody could open for me. There were no stand-up comics. So it's just like, find a stage... And I really want to do this. I always wanted to be a comic since I was like four. I would always say I wanted to be a stand-up comic or a Ninja Turtle. Those were my objectives in life. Still are my objectives in life. Just, the Stem cell research isn't where it needs to be yet, but we're getting there. But regarding the stand-up, I was like, okay, I really want to do this. I know I'm good. I know I can be good. I just need to get on stage and start practicing. So it, it was literally that. And then when I graduated from university, those concerts used to be attended by thousands. And they go on for days. So it was like boot camp. And by the time I graduated, I had a following based off of that. And then I would crash other small concerts. People would call me up like, hey, we're doing a concert. Could you come host as well? Do a bit of stand-up. It started to become a thing. When I graduated, I then had a bit of a following as a result. And I kind of leveraged that and started doing my own shows. And then for lack of a better term, I kind of blew up across the Middle East pretty quickly <laughs> after that. And nice. uh It was like, literally, I went, it started in Beirut. And then the next time, the next country I went to was Jordan. Then I did Kuwait. Then I did Saudi Arabia. So each of these countries, I was literally the first person to ever do that. And then-
0: Did they have comedy? Is there any other country in the Middle East that had a comedy scene? Anybody at all?
3: No comedy scene. I never had an opener. The first time I ever had an opener for a show of mine wasn't until, I mean, I still, in most cases, until the last show that I did. Uh, which was in 2018, 2019, uh, 2018. And I never had openers. So even when I do a show for six, 7,000 people, I just walk out on stage and the show would begin. So, or even if it was a club, um, what I ended up doing is all these countries, I'd go and I'd start creating my own competition, like teaching them how to produce the events, how to, um, you know, uh, people who wanted to be comics, like give them advice, try to coach them through it. And now there's an amazing scene across the Middle East. Oh, but you, you basically are like the Johnny Appleseed of comedy. Kind of, in, in that middle. region. Yeah, in that region. It was kind of like a very... Uh, it wasn't difficult for it to permeate because stand-up is such a, uh, a beautiful... It's such an easy sell in many ways. Laughter, Laughter is universal. Laughter is universal. So from a viewpoint yeah. of, a, of an audience member... Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's addicting. It what? is. And, yeah. and if you're an audience member, you're going to want to go and laugh, but... The, the reason that it really got popular was Arabs are very business-minded. And I come in and I'm like, I have an art form that is one person on stage with a mic and lighting, and that's it. And you can charge the same price as you do for a band. So if you want to fly a comic in, hired. that was it. So People are like, this is fucking, first of all, we don't really like, what's this sound check, uh, test, test, please, higher the volume, lower, and I'm done. Um, and they basically embraced it so much because of the profit margin in it. And that was kind of like what really catapulted it and companies, you know, corporate events. They're like, just get a comic. It's just one person, fly them in, put them in a hotel. The bands were inaccessible. Cause I remember when I first started doing standup, my biggest difficulty was to convince people to let me use their venue. So I'd go to these venues. I want to do standup. And the thing they would tell me is how much can we charge tickets? And I'd be like, you can charge, you know, $20 a person. And they'd be like, that's what we charge for bands. There's only one of you. That was their reasoning was like, they're getting four people for 20. Why would they pay 20 for one person? Right. And which is a very detached way to look at it, but it made sense. So I would say, okay, you're closed on a Monday. Give me Monday. I don't want any money. If I don't do anything, you don't get anything and take all the money I make. And that's how I started. I would pack the place out. And they would be like, holy shit. And then their cost was barely anything. And it was pure profit. They're selling alcohol. And there's a huge profit margin on that. And I'm drawing in a clientele that spends money because they're happy and they're having fun. So they're ordering more drinks. And that's just how it goes. So it, it literally became like rapid fire. It started to catch on.
2: And also that when you're starting out in stand-up, like when I, I started, it was very tough to get on stage in Boston because there I, I when I first really started, I was in Los Angeles and it was, there's tons of open mics, but then I came back to Boston and I was like, there's nothing. And so I was like, well, I'll just start doing my own shows. And that's the best way to like get your own stage time is to produce your own shows.
3: It really is. The only drawback is you have to take care of the marketing and the, yeah. uh, filling it up, but you know, you just got, I had to accept it.
2: Yeah. But I, I, I never ended up selling out like airplane hangers like you, but you know, it's <laughs>
0: You know, He's getting you know there. What, you know what, Josh? I gotta say, um, you know, I hear a lot of comedians. You know, they they are always like, "Oh, it's so tough breaking into the comedy scene," you know, in New York or or L.A. You know, and it's cutthroat and whatever. And and Nimmer like took nothing, and he in in a place that was like, you know, po- he went to places that possibly had turmoil going on, like yeah, kind civil war or something like that and he he like made the scene so it's kind of like when i see like when i hear a stand-up comic after reading about nimmer going (laughs) oh it's so hard to break into the scene it's like well you know (laughs) you do it in beirut this is absolutely nothing (laughs) that is too funny
3: I have no, no idea what it's like store. to get past at the store. So I'm like, oh, yeah. you no, had the store when I first came to LA. Okay, I moved out from Beirut, and you said it. i when you say turmoil, like we would do shows right after terrorist attacks. You know, ISIS just killed 56 people. Showtime, and I'm not. I'm, 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 I have a. Uh, so I'm sure you guys heard about the explosion that happened in Beirut recently. Uh, yeah, and um, I basically uh, put out a very aggressive statement. Against the government that literally murdered the people, and I, and so that people don't say I'm one-sided, I included a clip from 2014 of me on stage saying, "Just a few hours ago, there was an attack, and it's a sold-out show of thousands of people, and that's kind of how it was. Like I was doing shows right after terrorist attacks. I remember in in uh, 2005, our prime minister was assassinated, uh, allegedly." although now a United Nations international tribunal has linked it directly to people from Hezbollah and backed by Syria and Iran. uh, He was assassinated and blown up and it took out an entire block and they did it on Valentine's day to send a clear message, killed a ton of civilians. I lost friends in that attack. And then uh, the country United pushed out a Syrian dictatorship out of the time at the time. And we're still fighting it to this day. And, From that year on, I started doing stand-up professionally to try to help bring the country together. I used to stamp my posters, no politics, no religion, one love. Like, this is a place, whatever your background is, we're going to laugh together. And it was very revolutionary to do that. Nobody, everything was political and religious. So I do that, and from 2006 to 2011, I believe, we went through a period of nonstop political assassinations. So basically, the Syrians were like, okay, we're out of government now, no problem, Your entire government, we're going to murder all of them. And they killed 14 ministers with car bombings, uh, executions. And we were doing shows and building a stand-up comedy scene throughout that. There was several wars. We fought Al-Qaeda. We fought ISIS. We fought domestic um, uh, threats from within that were funded by foreign regimes. It was never-ending. And we were doing stand-up through that. So when I came here in 2014 and I go to the store... Or the improv, and I'd hear other comics complaining about stuff like, "Man, the drinks here—they're just like." And I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> the "Fuck up. I, I don't, I don't say anything, but I'm looking at these very famous comics, and I'm not going to name names, being the whiniest bitches I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like looking at them, I'm like, "It's." I understand why people who fight in Iraq, American soldiers, come back and get PTSD, or any soldier the disconnect between being in a place with that much violence and then coming here and hearing what people are complaining about, I mean... I, I don't didn't, have an ice cube in my... It's grand. just... It's like, man, I don't know what
1: to tell you.
2: It's unreal. Was it, was it crazy to, like, Go to the like a place like the store and then like have to watch what you say because people might get like offended. like I, I saw you talking about how over there they have actual problems. They don't have time to be worried about like what what is that? What's the meaning behind that word? What did you mean by that? And then it's like you come over here and you you can't score for a soccer game. Huh?
3: A lot of people, when I do interviews here, they'd be like, so what What can you say here that you can't say in the Middle East? I'm like, it's the opposite, man. Like, I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I, I'm very careful here. I actually think a lot when I'm structuring my jokes. When I go to Beirut or any of the Arab countries, I'm just like, and then let I just... Let it fly. I let it fly because they care about your message, right? They're they, and And they know the reality. They know what what we call cultural appropriation here or what we call political or incorrectness there, over there, they're like, no, I mean, obviously he's not, he doesn't mean that. Like, they know the meaning of your words is what carries weight, right? Um, And here, I I don't like to bash political correctness because I do think a lot of the things that happened with political correctness here were great. What I like to, what I do bash is people who give attention to the very vocal minority who protests. I've heard a lot of, Cancel culture. Josh, you said the other day, if you remember it about cancel culture, we had this conversation during one of my streams. I feel like if you don't give them importance, they don't really matter. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I've come to see a lot of American comics. Like, you watch every comedy special right now. They're like, I know I can't say this, but I'm going to say it no matter. And people are cheering. I'm like, you're on a like Amazon or Netflix or Showtime. People are cheering for you. You're selling out all across the country. Clearly, nobody's canceling you. You know, like, so I think we're starting to circle jerk into something that doesn't really exist. You know what I'm saying? Like, it exists. Like, it's out there. And I know people are getting canceled, but those who are getting canceled, I look at how they're handling the situation. I'm like, you're kind of doing a shit job. Like, Louis C.K. getting canceled. Whether or not I agree with that has nothing to do with the fact that anybody with half a brain could have handled that situation way better. You know? Just lie. Lie and volunteer at a woman's shelter you know what i'm saying like go out and make a large donation say you're sorry and then drop a comedy special where you talk about it and like say how you've learned just give give your people who want to defend you give them arguments to defend you but don't go and make a joke about a rape whistle Do do you know what i'm saying like it's like dude like just the optics just you're a comic you're supposed to be smarter than that you know, so I, I'll criticize him on that every day of the week, but I don't I don't like to bash fellow comics. It's just like when he came out with that, I was like, "Dude, any who's advising you? Like these are tricky situations and this is coming from a guy who's had to navigate doing a show. Like if you go to my Instagram 2 weeks ago, I have to take on the government, risk my life by cussing out the president, which is apparently illegal now, and go and have my family at jeopardy while also doing a Twitch stream of me playing Nintendo games. I'm balancing those out. Uh-huh. You couldn't you couldn't balance this for real like you couldn't at least try like to put out a half-ass statement that people could cling on to clearly america doesn't need a really high standard of morality to get behind you so give them something
0: you know what, what did you think i don't know if you got to see aziz and special I, hmm. I went through a similar thing and he like that's the first thing he talked about that, he time, did it right on his special he addressed it like right did it right up top you know, and then he, he kind of made that the joke. He was like, wow, this is a real funny comedy special. You know, I'm talking about, you know, some problems with sexual allegations that are,
3: you know, things that... He did, he did it right. And unfortunately, the bigger you are as a celebrity, the harder it is to come back from something because the target's bigger. But he's moving in the right direction. I honestly, my opinion on Aziz Ansari and what happened with him is, is what the majority of people think, which is dude, it's a really bad date. It's clearly just wasn't something, this isn't sexual assault. So I guess maybe he was more confident addressing it. Yeah, it wasn't
0: but exactly the same as Louis C.K.
3: Louis C.K., but if I'm Louis C.K. and I'm going to go down anyways, I might as well try to not, yeah. you know, I mean, give it a shot. I mean, That's there's,
2: it. there's some people that you can kind of tell who did what. Like, it, the, the innocent people come out and, like, uh, they just put it in your face like, look, it wasn't, I didn't do it. Like, Brian Callen has been.
3: Brian everything. Callen. I, yeah. Brian Callen is, a, is somebody that I know. Uh, we're not friends, but I know him well, and he lived in Beirut for like seven, eight years. So that's something we've bond o- bonded over, and we talk about, and I love the guy. When the allegations came out, because I had him on my podcast, one of the people who watches our podcast immediately sends me this article about Brian Cowan. I was like, oh, fuck. That was my first reaction. I read through the article. I have my opinions, and, and I kept thinking to myself, how Brian handles this is going to decide how I feel about this. And he comes out addresses them says the thing and I'm like that's what you do that's what you do he he and he said you know the me too movement is important it's significant he didn't come out he wasn't he didn't bash it he didn't bash what? it he shouldn't bash it look I come from a country where when a revolution is happening like right now um people take to the streets and you know there's going to be violence during a revolution the majority of the people 99 percent are peaceful And then there's 1% that have had their lives taken away from them, people murdered, just the worst conditions, and they get violent. So then people run and point to those people and see, you see, this whole revolution is bullshit. You can't dismiss Me Too because of a few false allegations. You can't dismiss a revolution because of a bit of violence. You can't dismiss Black Lives Matter because some people are looting. You can't dismiss the majority based off of a minority, which brings me back to why are we giving importance to cancel culture? It's not the majority. And we're, we're we're amplifying their voice. When we're coming and saying, "Yeah, yeah, oh shit, they're canceled, fuck canceled," it's all we talk about anymore. And all the comedy specials, I, I mean, I, it just feels it's been done. You know, some of my favorite comics are coming up and doing the same jokes now about you know, like and women and cancel. It's it's done. It's over. Like, move on. Stop. Every time, every time you me. say it, you give it fuel. Stop giving it fuel. That's what they want. Like, if if you're on my when, on my comment section, you're always and on, on anyone's comment section, you're going to get people who hate you. And my mom, God bless her, she's this, my mom is the most beautiful angel in the world. She's a devout Christian, the way Christianity should be practiced. You know, she's, she feels pain of any human being. She doesn't like, I hate gay people, none of that shit. If she knows somebody who's gay, she automatically starts tearing up because she imagines that how it is to get accepted by their family. She's a beautiful soul. And she'd go to my comment section and I'd have like 700 comments, maybe three bad ones, right? And she would get so worked up and she'd call me up and I sat her down once and I said, mom, let me ask you this. How do you think God would feel if he knew that all of this positive, beautiful energy is going towards your son and you're choosing to use your energy for the negative people? Why are you spending your energy amplifying negativity instead of celebrating the positivity? And from that moment on, she was like, I never thought of it that way. And it flipped. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're, cele- we're giving so much importance to people who aren't interested in comedy and its development or in the art form. They're just interested in their own agenda or just getting pissed off because they're dealing with their own insecurity mm. instead of dealing with the art form itself. I'm not talking about legitimate cancel instances like with uh, what's his name? That fucking the rapist guy. What was his name? Um, was that? Bill Cosby? Whether it was Bill Cosby or the other dude. Uh, oh, G- Harvey, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. What the fuck? Right. Like, that's, it's insane. And that's and, and cancel the living shit out of those people. But that doesn't mean there's a cancel culture. Cancel culture doesn't exist. It exists on Twitter. And it exi- And if we learned anything from the last election, what exists on Twitter and what exists on Facebook doesn't represent what's in the real world. right. right. Because if you were on Twitter or Facebook, then Bernie Sanders is supposed to be our president.
2: <laughs> it's so weird that like, we, we do focus on the negative, and And like, even as like, a comic, you can make like, a room of 3,000 people laugh. But then you're like, why isn't that guy laughing? Can you think so about on the way home? And then like, when we were on the air at WAF, we had a text line. And like, there could be 500 good texts and then one that just says, Josh sucks. And I, I would be. it would ruin my day. <laughs> yeah, like Josh,
3: that's it's, it's human nature, man. Something about us goes towards and we gyrate towards the negative. That's why clickbait is so prevalent now. All these titles, right. you know, the Democrats slam Trump. And then you're like, and, the, and Pelosi was like, I disagree. And it's like, for Christ's sake, like, like nobody's slamming. Like It's just relaxed. It's sensationalism because it draws us towards negativity. It needs a conscious effort to flip the script on that. But once you do, it's beautiful. Like, I stopped replying to people with negative comments. I just banned them. I'm like, okay, you don't like me, so why are you here? Ban. Follow me. Because and then, and then I, I swear to God, it was like three days of doing that, and I just don't have any more negative comments. Like, it turned out there were just 20 people. Right. And now they're gone. So life moves on. So I think if you, if you make a conscious effort to get something you don't believe in out of your life, you'll live a better life.
1: My question is about your mom's cooking. When she realized what you said, did she make the meal that she felt was your favorite meal? (laughs) (laughs) You've
3: seen that. You've seen that bit. Go down that
1: road. That made me laugh my balls off.
3: It's universal. That's every mom. It doesn't matter where the fuck you're from. They will always say, I made your favorite food. And it's not your favorite food. It's their favorite food. I should have told her that. At the time, that food is called Mjaddara and people in, in the Middle East laugh especially hard on that joke. Because if you're a Christian in the Middle East, on Fridays, you're not supposed to eat meat. You're supposed to feel with the poor, so it's only supposed to be grains. And Friday is the last day of the week in school, so you come home and you're starving. And they always make Mzaddara, which is basically like a, a type of lentil dish. So it's like, there's nothing it's delicious it's not bad you just never crave it you know like there's never been you're never gonna be like oh lentil soup i really want you know what i'm saying like it's, so kind, of, like, it's, oh. kind, of, it's kind of like fucking oatmeal really it is yeah. it's not if you're eating it you're like this is, this is great it's nutritious i'm enjoying this I'm, I'm satiated it's delicious nutritious it's all there but you're never like you know what i could really use right now <laughs> a bowl of oatmeal
0: lentils and rice
3: yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not gonna happen
0: Hey, I want to ask you, so you brought up your mother, I want to ask you about your father because he figures a lot into your comedy also. Yeah. So now that you're, like, very successful at what you do, and he was, he was just not for that. When you told him you wanted to be a stand-up comic, he was just like, what, why would you want to do that with your life? But What now, is that? <laughs> now that you're successful, has he come around? Has he changed his mind at all? Or is he still giving you a hard time about, like, not having a real job?
3: Arab parents will never, ever be satisfied. Like, they will they will never... It doesn't matter what you do. You could still do better. It's it's in our language, in our culture. When somebody... When you have a baby, they tell you... Uh, which means, like, until they get married. And then when they get married, it's like, until they get children. And when they get children, it's like, until they... It's always... They're always setting the goalposts further. So, when I became successful, my dad stopped being against my career, for sure. But he wasn't necessarily... With where I was in my career. Because it flipped from, why are you doing stand up to why aren't you Dave Chappelle? Which is basically, ah, right. you know what i say, like, yeah. Like, it's kind of like, it, it went from like these kind of things. Because I always say, like, I had this bit where I would say, you know, if you were in the Olympics and you won the gold medal and you came back home as an Arab, your dad would be like, why didn't you win the diamond? Like, there's yeah. never. There's never going to be anything to there satisfy. There isn't a diamond, dad. There is there no diamond, diamond, dad. There, there is no diamond. He's like, oh, so I'm a liar. I'm a liar. That's what you're like. You to
1: make one.
3: it's it. I'm, t- Dude, I'm telling you. And that's what I love about them, though. I love that they they love you so much that they're never satisfied. Because there's to them, no yeah, here. there's no finish line. So he's he's definitely very proud of me. And everything he criticized me about before was really out of love. And all of the advice he gave made me a better comic because I I stayed, like, I was wary of the pitfalls. Came from a place of love. Um, But he will always bust my balls. Like, I make jokes out of it, but it's true. When I made the cover of Rolling Stone magazine in the Middle East, he refused to call it Rolling Stone. He would keep saying, my son was on Throwing Stones. My son was on the Stoning Stones. My son, like, he kept messing the name up. Just, like, whatever was the
0: balls, (laughs) Right.
1: You got to oh get God. him out on stage, and he'll be, he'll look out and be like, "There's two thousand people. Why not 4, you're,
3: you're He actually said that to me before. Just so you know, just so you know, like, and once I sold out a four thousand seater venue, and he's like, "Yeah, but you sold it out at the door. Like, you should sell out in advance." Or then, and then I started selling out in advance, and he's like, "Okay, how much do you have in savings?"
1: Oh Jesus uh.
3: Christ! Yeah, and then you're like, "I don't have much savings now." He's like, "You did show for four thousand people, no savings or so." The person who works, your money the it? person who works to make sandwiches, has more money than you. Oh, <laughs> oh God! I'm like dad.
1: Sandwiches on the side, dad.
3: What the? Fuck? Because I would have to pay for the. So the shows I self-produce. So when I'm doing a six thousand person show, I I pay for everything. Tickets come in, and I usually take a loss. Those aren't profitable shows. So I'm doing a show that's costing me about three hundred grand to put together, and I'm probably making one hundred eighty grand. So I'm losing a good amount of change on that. So my dad's like, "Man, you are stupid," <laughs> and he's right he 's actually right, because from a business point of view i 'm an idiot he 's like why why are you doing show for six thousand people I'm like because it 's really cool, yeah, you are stupid, and that 's pretty much it well
0: you do you do a lot of shows you do a lot of work with with various charities, but your most recent one you you did for the Lebanese Red Cross, yes, sir. And uh, and was that successful? Were you able to to raise a lot of money for them?
3: We were. I wish we could raise more, but we ended up. We're now past seventy thousand dollars raised. The link is still up. If anybody goes to my socials, it's there. Um, and Get
1: those out. Give your socials out.
3: Uh, just go to on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch and YouTube. It's all Nimmer Comedy, N E M R Comedy. So if you go to Instagram, the link's in my bio. Uh, and if you go to my YouTube and you see the video, the links over there, just if anybody wants to help Lebanon out really the best organization you could do right now, although there's several great ones, one of the best is the Lebanese red cross. Cause what happened in Lebanon is just, it's, it was the world's largest non-nuclear explosion. What it ranked that? right behind. That? So our government in its infinite wisdom for six years, stored 2.8 tons of ammonium nitrate. uh, and and stored them improperly on the main port of the country and in a very fire hazard zone. And for six years, just left them there, humidity going to like all the the makers of making it more flammable uh, needed to move them, I believe, either needed to move them or stored them this way from the beginning by stacking them on top of each other because they didn't have a big enough place to put them, literally created this bomb themselves. Waited, left it for six years. During these six years, we had ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and all these people trying to kill us. Uh, so thank you, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, for not exploiting what was apparently public knowledge in the government at the time. And uh, a fire they aimed at those boats. Boom. I mean, it was literally like you could walk up to it as a oh civilian. And uh, a fire started close by. The fire department ran in, couldn't get it in control. Suddenly, this thing lights up. They're unaware, the fire department, which is based off of volunteers who don't get paid, by the way. Real heroes. Wow. This thing lights up. They're trying to stop it. Chemicals are unknown. Also, it's guaranteed that Hezbollah has other shit stored there that nobody knows about. So that's not going to help the flammability. Uh, And then it just exploded and wiped out. In in a second, we went from the country we have to now over 300,000 homeless families. In a second uh, we went from in the country's population is four million so just imagine how big a chunk that is uh, of, of the po- of the overall population that's almost 10 percent that's like 33 million people almost going uh, homeless in a second today in America just like that um, and, and we the damage for like 15 miles right dude Cyprus the country of Cyprus actually thought it was an attack locally
0: Jesus Christ.
3: 150 miles away. Uh, it, in the
0: middle of the Mediterranean.
3: Dude, it wiped out the city of Beirut. It wiped out, if you look at it right now, Beirut never looked this bad at the peak of the Civil War that raged for 30 years.
1: Jesus it was. It's
3: Christ. unbelievable. And if you see footage of the of the explosion, you're like, this looks like a really poorly made Michael Bay movie. It looks <laughs> unbelievable. Because the way the buildings are just as it as it goes and it comes at the person filming oh, just the
1: domino effect of just
3: wiping unbelievable wiping stuff out and somebody's filming and there's you know motion stabilization on an iPhone so it's in full HD it looks off it looks now off This is and
1: because the government's storing
3: fucking ammonium nitrate, or whatever ammonium nitrate fi- for it was a shipment that was meant for Belarus if I'm not mistaken or Belgrade and the the captain of the shipment um, didn't pay his employees so they diverted to Greece to pick up this shipment to deliver to, no, they went to Greece to pick up another shipment to deliver to Beirut, get paid for that so he could pay his people. They go into Lebanon's port. The uh, the Russian crew that he has mutinies and asks the authorities to ground the ship because they aren't getting paid. They ground the ship, offload the cargo, for some reason let the guy go at some point in time and the people and like it gets resolved. And they're supposed to get this shit out to where it was originally meant to be. I, I'm not sure if it was Belgrade or Zimbabwe, or it might have been Zimbabwe, like for real. And they just left it there for six years. And a lot of people come, why did they leave it there? Why, and, I, and I know without a shadow of a doubt that the reason it got left there is getting it transported costs money. And whoever wants to transport it wants their commission out of what the government is going to pay for that. So if I'm a minister and I'm hiring a company to transport it, and let's say they want a million dollars, I want my 10%. And I am guaranteeing you, they didn't find the right deal, so they just left it.
0: Right. Jesus. Christ.
3: That's the cost of the people right there. It's a commission. That's all we're worth. And they fucking murdered. They literally murdered.
1: How is the government everyone. handling this? If this happens and you go, okay, now, and do they just deny this or what?
3: So the government first started saying, um, you know, it was an attack by Israel. And we were like, if this was there for six years, and Israel wanted to attack. They would have attacked when we were a threat in terms of Hezbollah. But now Hezbollah is the weakest it's ever been. They were unable to stop a revolution of people on Instagram. I'm a fucking clown. And I had friends who are just like influencers. We literally led a revolution against Hezbollah. They weren't even strong enough to stop that. They have no more money. They're completely defunded. They've been uh, uh, annihilated in by fighting in Syria. They're at the weakest they've ever been. So now Israel is going to come in. And now strike them instead of bad, over the bad, past six years. Bad makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, on top of that, if Israel did attack, I was like, okay, Israel attacked, Sure, no problem. If I open the door to my house, put a gun on a tripod, point it at my head, and beg people for six years to pull the trigger, and then one day somebody pulls the trigger, do we say that person murdered me? Or did I kill myself? So stop with the narrative of who planned the attack. It was there for six fucking years. It's not even our ammonium nitrate. So the bottom line is, and you put it on the busiest port in the country. And this government and the previous governments, it went through several cycles. So there's no excuse. So the government responded without a single resignation. Not even one. So Lebanese heroes took to the streets and finally the government resigned. But our disgusting pig of a president, who is illegitimately there and his son-in-law and it's it's a very very bizarre situation backed by iran and hezbollah refuses to leave power the guy has dementia nobody he doesn't even know what the fuck's going on he's ancient and old and i'm not saying that as an insult i'm being serious like a couple guys like that right now in this country yeah yeah Yeah. it's also they're the orange party yeah so the similarities are just too much um each other um, wow dude and it's the son-in-law it's the president and his son-in-law and it's the same shit here it's unbelievable how unlike it's unreal how much how much similarity there is this guy is still there refuses to let go and it gets worse all of the cleanup all of the rescuing nobody from the government helped we had zero wow. government people saving lives those were lebanese civilians going into the thick of it pulling people out themselves we have lebanese volunteers going and volunteering their services to rebuild homes. Lebanese people like the Lebanese Red Cross, which is a volunteer organization, giving people cash money to be able to make ends meet. The country is literally being run by people, literally. And the government is only using its forces and violence to hide evidence. So when they want, when, when international organizations came to help and had rescue dogs to try to find bodies under the rebel, rubble, they didn't let them in. Because they were afraid that they would find what else was stockpiled there right yeah. so imagine that is what we are facing as the people and that is what we are going to get rid of very soon and we, we, right. we, so, so we've been kicking away the at only, them for a long time
1: america is not the only fucked up country nah no. not but, you, but
3: in your defense you're doing a bang-up job of, of of really emulating our model let me tell you yeah,
0: we're trying <laughs>
3: You know, You're doing an amazing job. We're trying to be as fucked up as you, bro. Come on. If, if Beautiful touch with the RNC having five family members. Let me tell you that. Oh, oh yeah. That was that was fantastic. I was like, I feel like I'm at home. This is perfect. This is amazing. Oh.
0: <laughs> uh I gotta say the there's the a tiny positive thing that came out of that, and that's I read there's so many other countries now going through their ports. And looking for the same exact thing, stockpiles of dangerous materials like ammonium nitrate or whatever munitions or whatever. You know, there's a lot of countries realizing. Well, maybe we should take a look at our ports. So I
3: believe people- I took a screenshot of it. I believe it was Darkon Let me make sure. Um, I remember it's a taking this
1: tragedy, but sometimes yeah. because
3: they're like, holy shit! Because this has happened before. It happened in China. It's happened in Texas. Wow. Um, that you had a, a an explosion from ammonium nitrate. Where are my screenshots? There they are. I remember, here it is, Senegal. Senegal seeks to move huge ammonium nitrate stock from Dakar Port. And the Dakar Port, they have 2,700 tons. We had 2,800. It's literally the same thing. Jesus wow. Christ. So if you're well, a corrupt... Right. It's all based on money. It's all based on, like, I'm not going to move my shit unless you pay me commissions. Unless you pay me my commissions. And that's the bottom line. And, and if you're a corrupt country, you need to move that shit because you don't have the cap. If America fucked it up. And and America had checks and balances on on the storage of this. It wasn't a corruption thing. It just it, it's it's something that is super non flammable, super right. non combustible. Unless some very specific mistakes are made, then it becomes highly flammable and explosive. Yeah. So yeah, this is fuck it. It's for fireworks. Just get the fuck the fireworks. Right. <laughs> we don't need it
0: well uh nimmer it, it's really it's been awesome having you on and and schooling Thanks. up and what, what's going on in lebanon and and your story it really is amazing to me your story of just really building a comedy scene in the middle east i love that and yeah that's Thanks. incredible next time i hear someone like josh going oh i can't even get like on at an open mic over at giggles it's like, oh, uh, dude. Nimro Lenny like won't let dodging, me go under the tent tonight. He's, he's dodging, you know, the, the chicken guys killing people. We think like, <laughs> there's like chicken fast food wars here in the United States, and they're going after each other in social media. They're shooting each other <laughs> in Lebanon. So you're dude, doing that, real shit. Beirut story. blows
1: up and you do a comedy special the next night.
3: You and have to. Man, I mean, look, if you're gonna if you're going to take charge of making people laugh, that is the most powerful weapon in the world if people under I, I hate when I hear people in America saying, you know, you're a comedian, stay in your lane. Literally, the most important thing for a comedian to do right now is to share their perspective and to and to influence people because laughter is the strongest weapon that indicates whether there's a human spirit remaining or not. So, really, and a lot of people who bash celebrities make like make me laugh. As a guy who lived abroad, the only reason American America is loved a ac- outside of this country is because of celebrities. Michael Jackson, Jordan. These are the people that made people in countries where they were carpet bombed by Americans and everybody still love America and differentiate between the people and the government. And that's a worldwide thing. So every time I hear people bashing celebrities, it makes me laugh because I'm like, if it wasn't for your celebrities, America wouldn't be so... If it wasn't for Friends, for Seinfeld, right? if it wasn't for Arrested Development, Curb Your Enthusiasm, these are the biggest shows in the Middle East. Frazier was huge in the Middle East. Those shows not only helped America thrive abroad, but it also undid a lot of the damage America did with its terrible foreign policy. But on top of that, it made people want to be like America, which is why the world is watching in horror right now because we look at America and we're like, "What the fuck happened?" We're trying to be like you. Why are you trying to be like us?
0: Yeah, you're you're fucking up your own thing over there. Yeah,
2: and also like Japan, why don't you hate us? I feel like
3: they're <laughs> I'm so confused with that. By the way. And they keep putting Americans in there, and it makes no sense to me. I'm like, Jesus. Two
2: of the biggest bombs in history not that long ago, but in America, we're still like the fucking British. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it makes no sense. And every time they do anime, it's like European features and everything, and you're like, I don't know what the I f- I don't know what the- it's kind of like when you're on a playground and you really slap the shit out of someone, they become your best friend. I don't know if that's the the right analogy here, but it's kind of like there was a respect established at that moment. I guess I don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah. just I I don't know. And also, um, speaking of doing shows on your website, it still says that you have a show November twenty first in Boston. Is that canceled? Yeah,
3: everything's canceled. I'm, okay. right. I'm leaving come those I'm leaving those dates up in memoriam. Those. Are <laughs> uh, oh, <yeah.
1: laughs> I everything come, come do your show on our podcast that day.
3: I am very happy to do that. I'm going to I'm basically canceling everything until there's a treatment or a vaccine. And uh, Cancel yourself? What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, that's how they can't get you. Cancel yourself before the cancel culture no. comes for your their power.
0: Yeah.
2: And also before we end, I I wanted to ask you because I I've, I've never asked anyone um from Lebanon this question because I had never heard this before. Um, until I met my wife, and she's from New Hampshire, I'm from Massachusetts, and th- the first time I hung out with her and her friends, they were sa- they were saying this name Beirut as a game, and I was like, what, you mean beer pong? I had never heard that before, and I was like, why the hell are you calling it Beirut? And it's because the balls are like bombs, and I was like, <laughs> wow.
3: I was going to ask you if that's offensive, but you just laughed your balls off. (laughs) Of course it's not offensive. Dude, you guys got to hear some of the jokes we make about ourselves. It's not offensive. It's only offensive if the person saying it is saying it like they mean it. Do you get what I'm they saying? Mean yeah. yeah. They mean to Yeah. If somebody comes it. out and goes, yeah, Beirut, because you fuckers in Beirut, you're always bombing each other. Then you're like, yo, dude, chill the fuck out. First of all, we got the best party scene in the entire world. Nobody even comes close to putting a candle to that. We have the hottest babes. We have the coolest dudes. And we shoot guns better than anybody. So watch so, yourself. If you want to throw balls into a,
1: fucking, uh, into a fucking cup and yell Beirut, do it.
3: If you want to yell Beirut and celebrate our bombing, go ahead. We're here for it. That's what I'm saying. Just don't hate us. Celebrate us. I'm you down with don't it. Don't ask if we're vegan, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes.
0: All right, never. thank you so much, man. We appreciate Thanks. you coming on with us. And then, so you've got uh, you've got a bunch of comedy specials. The latest, the latest one is the No Bombing in Beirut. Right?
3: No Bombing in Beirut is available everywhere. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. It's up there. Uh, I'm going to be self-releasing my next two specials, which I have filmed, but... I mean, I was still touring, and I guess that's done. So Love Isn't the Answer is coming out next month. And then shortly after, The Future is Now. But if anybody's interested in live entertainment, you can find me streaming five times a week approximately on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv forward slash nimmer comedy. We do Just Chatting Talk Show. We do uh, video game streams. We do prize giveaways. It's just literally I'm just having a good time. Since we're at home, we might as well have fun.
0: That's awesome, man. And then so just search out uh, Nimmer Comedy, N-E-M-R Comedy on social media and make a donation to the Lebanese Red Cross. Please. And and, and help out the folks in, in not just Beirut and all of Lebanon. Thank and, you. Uh, and help because like you said, they're not getting any help. It's the, no. it's the people helping themselves. Yeah. The, they're helping that's, themselves.
3: Why, that's why we literally had protests for when foreign people were visiting the country to ask them, please don't give the government money. Right. And I don't know of any country that would literally protest in a situation like this to not give their government money, but we knew if it went to the government, it went to their pockets. Right. So we're like, just give the NGOs, right. give the Red Cross, give them that's that's how it works.
0: Give it to the Lebanese Red Cross. Yeah. Right. Not Never the government, because they're like
3: that
2: uncle that just it doesn't go to the right place. That's right. like 12 tax.
0: So true. So true.
3: That was for the restitution. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. Thank you for letting me on your platform. I really appreciate it. And I love you guys. Thank See you guys. soon. Welcome, man.
2: Wow. Um, thanks for uh, listening, watching, watching to Breaking the Ice, um, where we make up words like watching. And if, if you liked it, please share with your friends. The, the podcast continues to grow. Please subscribe on YouTube um, and hit that notification button and give us a uh, five-star rating or whatever. I mean, I I hate when Uber drivers say that. Can can you give me a five-star? I'm like, well, you, you, you were sneezing in my mouth the whole time, so no. Um, but if you, if you do enjoy the episode, please go rate us, subscribe to us, and... Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm starting to not talk. My dog is still whining, and I'm just gonna get out of here. Thanks for watching Breaking the Ice podcast on YouTube. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and follow us on Facebook. And um, yeah, I'm out of here. Thanks, guys.